Welcome, everyone. This is PlantTherapy.Live coming at you this week and live once again. My name is Ray. And I'm Pache. And we are live with you on YouTube and Twitch. Or you can visit us at PlantTherapy.Live for the links to our recordings after the show. Welcome to everybody joining us tonight, uh, both live or recorded. Head on over to Facebook and search Plant Therapy Live and smash that like button for us. And all you beginner growers out there, be sure to go back and listen to Season 1. Lots of good stuff. And we talked about it on a few previous episodes. We're now live streaming the 4x4 Smart Grow Tent there as well. So stop by and check it out. But the key here is to just go to planttherapy.live because it's all there. It's all fresh and it's all for you. You get it all at planttherapy.live. And tonight is our Halloween special. Very excited. Halloween special. Are you a fan of Halloween? You know... When I was younger, absolutely. You know, we lived in a close-knit neighborhood, and the houses were all together. So, you know, when planned appropriately, you could literally secure your recesses for the next 365 <laughs> days. So, uh, for those that uh, don't know, and for our listeners outside of uh, North America, uh, Halloween, I'll, I'll give you sort of two versions, all right? I'll give you the reality and of what we we do every year. Um, if you're an adult, you buy lots of candy and you stockpile it at your door and you expect for a couple of hours during the night on October 31st, you'll be greeted by all the neighborhood children, uh, dressed in different costumes. Um, you know, it started out much, uh, it, it actually, just when I was looking at it today, the origins go way, way back. Um, Halloween is has been celebrated as a festival for more than a thousand years ago, uh, I'd, and I really had no idea. Um, but it was sort of in celebration of uh, you know a, a festival to uh, have bonfires and wear costumes and ward off ghosts. And uh, it wasn't until the eighth century, until a pope designated November first as a time to honor all saints. Soon, All Saints Day incorporated some of the traditions of this earlier festival. And the evening before was known as All Hallows' Eve. And later, of course, what we know now as Halloween. Uh, and so over time, Halloween evolved into a day of activities like trick-or-treating, carving jack-o'-lanterns, uh, which my wife and I did today. Uh, so carving a jack-o'-lantern, so you take a pumpkin, you cut the top off, and then you hollow out the inside, and then you draw a design on the outside. You carve the design out, and you sort of pop out the little pieces uh, that you cut out. And then you put a candle inside, and voila, you have yourself a, uh, a jack-o'-lantern. Some people can do some badass ones, too. Uh, oh, it's uh, really online. impressive. I mean, they do yeah. uh, like portraits of celebrities, of, of scenes. It's, it's really mm -hmm. quite incredible. I'm sure if you did a YouTube search for uh, for pumpkin carvings, you'd see some pretty crazy ones. But yeah, that's super in in interesting to see kind of how it migrated over time, right? Yeah, but, uh, you know, and but as for kids, right? You know, <laughs> and and Ray, I, I'm going to be curious. I'm going to ask you in a second what uh, maybe one of your favorite Halloween costume was growing up, uh, or even as an adult, because sort of what Halloween is meant to children is you know you go around the neighborhood and like i said you you collect candy and you collect them you know i remember when we went around we would use like a, a pillowcase and uh we'd fill up a pillowcase run home if we had time dump out the pillowcase and back out again for another run um and you know like you said um if you could find a spot where there was a lot of houses in a short distance away from each other you could really increase <laughs> do you know what increase your yield Hmm. Oops. <laughs> I, I, <you> know, <laughs> funny how that uh, 
how that theme is sort of <laughs> coming back there. <laughs> but it's funny because you, you just mentioned this, and I'm going back through my my Hollywood my Halloween memories, right? And it's probably the time that I made this robot costume, and I made it myself, and I took like these boxes, and I cut. A head for my hole in my arms, like for a hmm. hole for my head in my arms, and uh, and I attached another box which was completely sealed except for a hole in the top, and then I decorated everything in tin foil and went kind of like a robot. Nice, but my but my treats were in a box that was attached to my stomach, so I didn't have to hold a treat bag. Oh. Everybody just put, everybody just put the treats in the hole. It was just a super smart. You're right? thinking, so I like absolutely. it. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites it uh just when i was a kid and i don't know why i just this one sticks out but i remember it was a homemade job um you know we didn't have a whole lot of money growing up and um so we made a a ghostbusters outfit for me and uh it it wasn't great (laughs) but it worked and i i had a ball and i love ghostbusters and uh, they're coming out with a new movie by the way um in just a few weeks i think um yeah, so I'm I'm excited for that. I'm excited for tonight. We, uh, it, it, I was so unfortunate though. Tonight it was raining, and uh, and we had maybe ten to fifteen children come by in their costumes, and you know we gave out candy, and now you know I'm left with the remainder of the candy, and <laughs> you know it's so it's sort of a, a treat for uh, for the for the people that are giving the, out the candy, and. Uh, if you don't give it that all candy out. candy doesn't have a chance, folks. I'm just telling you now. <laughs> well, well, it's funny because my wife, uh, she went and she looked at the box of candy that we got. And uh, she lifted it. And it was much lighter than she anticipated. And then she looked and she saw it was open. <laughs> so then I had some explaining to do. Too funny. How's your purple kush coming along? I'm very oh. curious to know now. So the purple Kush, it uh, it's been an interesting go. So I'll I'll sort of give a, a quick rundown, and uh, you know, for anybody looking at video, I've got my spreadsheet up here. So I've got four purple Kush plants, which is the limit here um, in the province where I'm at in Nova Scotia, and they have been vegging for a super long time, so 15 weeks. They've been vegging now. Actually, we're we're into sixteen weeks, but we're we're transitioning into the veg or sorry the uh, the flowering stage. So it's been a long go, and so the reason why it's taken so long is of a mistake that I made. And so the first two grows, I I filled the scrognet up, the recommended amount, like Ray says, is about sixty seventy percent seventy percent. And um, for whatever reason, you know, maybe I was smoking my own product, and it's really good. So um, I was very valid. Thinking totally possible, right? Like totally within the realm of possibility. Um, so, but I was in my head. You know, I wanted to fill the net, fill the net, fill the net. That's that's sort of the echoing that stuck with me more than the fill the net seventy percent. <laughs> You know, so I selectively remembered, fill the net, fill the net. So Ray was looking at my photos, and uh, he was like, "Pache, man, you uh, you're not in flower yet." And I said, "No, I'm I'm just about to flip to flower, but uh, and I can't remember the reasoning. Oh, I, I just wanted to make sure that my net was completely full." And he was like, "Oh, dude, like you're gonna run into some problems. Like um, when you flip to flower." You know, there, there's going to be a bit of an explosion of growth, and you're going to run out of room, or you're running the risk of running out of room um, because you've got a lot of bud sites showing right now. Uh, totally true. Uh, I was trying to fill up, you know, 128 bud sites basically, um, which is sort of the grid that I have in the in the tent. So I ran into this issue, and I sort of thought about it, and. Uh, it was suggested to me that, listen, you've got a tent that you're not using. You're using two lights right now um, just in your veg to make sure you know there's adequate coverage. Um, why don't you just put your Mars Hydro TS-1000, which they're not sponsored, by the way. They're 
just what I'm using. Um, there's things I like about them, things I don't. Um, and I put them in my three by three. I put one, and, I, and so I took my smallest plant, and I took it out of the five by five tent, and I put it in the three by three with the Mars Hydro. It's doing its own thing, and and it is transitioning to bloom. The three plants have now been repositioned, uh, dropped the net back down, and uh, and they are now transitioning to bloom. And so I expect, and, and so now here's it. That solution opened up to another problem, which things Ooh. tend to do. Ooh. So my ventilation. I'm totally prepared to control the ventilation in one tent. That's why I have the AC Infinity fan. Again, not a sponsor. Um, I, although I like them better than I like the TS100 as a light. Uh, different product, of course. But I love the humidity and temperature control. And not a, only control, I can sort of monitor and, and, and track. Um, which is, is sort of what I love. Um, and it takes care of a lot of issues, especially overnight. You know, because that's when you're me i that's when i'm not paying attention of course i'm unconscious um but i needed to control the temperature in the three by three so i ordered a um another ac infinity fan but i did a a four inch not a six inch and uh so i ordered some ducting for the four inch and uh so i'm expecting that to arrive in the next day or so and so once that happens and I'm going to be full on into flower. And so what I've been doing in the meantime is I've been treating it like a true sort of transition into bloom. So in my feeding schedule, for example, um, I, I use, again, not a sponsor, but I use Diablo Nutes, Nutrients. Um, they're micro, grow, and bloom. Um, I use also their Monster Max as well as their CalMag. Um and very soon I'll be adding their uh, their molasses, their uh, their liquid curb, but not yet. Um, what was the purpose of saying the um, the nutrients? Uh, that's a problem with getting <laughs> super high. Ladies and gentlemen, this this is the attack of the hundred milligram gummy. <laughs> no, they're fifty milligram gummies. I'm just, or fifty, sorry, fifty milligram gummies. I just took three of them. <laughs> 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 but but it's it's just barely registering. Like on a scale of zero to a hundred, I'm at like a twelve. Nice. I'm at like a forgetful you're, twelve. You're good. You're good. You're good. But you you were talking about Diablo nutrients. And you were yeah, I know. But so I was uh, I was talking about oh moving uh, the problem that I had with and why I didn't flip to flower earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm amazed that fucking came back around. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's why what I had to do, I had to move one plant into the 3x3. So now I've got two tents running, one in one tent, the small one, three plants in another tent, which is my limit here in my province of Nova Scotia. And um, I'm now... So, pro- you know, as I'm listening, right, I just, I, I can't not say, I, you know, I love this, right? It's like when when life deals you lemons, you make some lemonade, right? You're fortunate enough to have the extra tent there and you've got your airflow on the way, you know, you can, you already had an extra light. So by doing this, instead of potentially cutting back your crop so it doesn't overfill the tent, now you've rerouted one of the smaller plants, give that room to boogie and you've opened up room now that can, you can get back on track and you've increased the amount of squares that you're going to fill at the end of the day. Yeah, it yes. should make for, for a great harvest, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And so. it's turning into, I, I, and I, I sold the whole idea, right? Because um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of not alone in this journey. Uh, and I sold the whole idea as, a, as an early Christmas present. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Right? so I, I got a Christmas present uh, this week. Woo! Hey, look, and that's a tip for the cannabis army out there, right? <laughs> it's Christmas time. Let's start thinking of constructive ways that we can use this to our advantage myself i've positioned myself just today with my sister on an amazon gift card so um, <laughs> you know hey right it's yeah, in but the air you, so uh, listen i i'm gonna i'm gonna recommend right that um you lean towards things that have a um a delivery concern like oh listen 
you know, it takes a few weeks to get this. So if you want to make sure it's in before Christmas, you should order it now. Oh, see, you're into advanced levering, leveraging tactics. You know, like, oh, you know, there's going to be some big sales coming out. You know, you you, you don't want to run out. There's supply chain issues. Ooh. <laughs> I, I, I was seeing the news. Did you hear about the supply chain issues? Ooh. I live it every day. I need those grow lights now. <laughs> I live it every day. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so that's sort of what's going on about um, uh, with me. So, um I'm now transitioning, and one last thing about um, about my update is I'm uh, I'm sort of the past number of days I've been going from 18 hours of light, 17 hours of light the next day, 16 hours of light the next day, because I'm sort of trying to buy time till my uh, exhaust fan gets here, right? Um, and so I'm just now in the 13 hour range 12 hour range i got i'm just right there and i'm just noticing all the the pistols and the hairs are now little ones are starting to form all over the place and it's it's starting that process is starting um i'm starting to now um lower the temperature overnight um i've been sort of keeping the temperature overnight in the you know pretty close to mid 70s like 73 74 um, now I'm going to start shooting for 71, 72, and then in another week or two, I'm going to be shooting for probably 68, 69, and, uh, maybe even 66, 67, uh, degrees Fahrenheit. And then, cause I, I'm going to try to trigger that defense mechanism and get those purple hues out. So that's my update. What's nice. going on with you? Ooh, well, let, let me uh, get rid of this uh, spreadsheet here, and I'm now over at planttherapy.live, and I'm going to scroll down, and I want to have a look and see what's going on in this flowering tent well, it, I have to shut it down for us to do the Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> that's okay. I, I, was that's in, I was in checking it out when we were chatting the other day, and uh, I love the fact that it was... Oh, I love it and hate that it was so easy for you to set that up. And uh, mm-hmm. it seems to be so challenging for me to set up. Um, yeah, we'll we'll figure that out. Listen, uh, more the most important thing is the the plants. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and you're exactly. guiding me through there, and that's you know that's good enough. You're a busy guy. Yeah, and I mean to have having that there, so you can tap in at any time when it is live. But of course, we do have to take the feed down because we're using this to to, to broadcast our show live, because that's the way we like to do it here. But uh, yeah, once the once the show is over, we'll go ahead and put that feed back up. But it also breaks the feed down over the course of the last week too, so you can go to yesterday, you can go to the day before, uh, have a quick pop in. So, but uh, thanks for bringing that up and thanks for sharing it. But yeah, I've been uh, you know been fighting, I've been fighting the devil's pixie dust that Pattery Mill will do right. That's been back, and we've been talking about that over the last couple of weeks. But today is day forty-two of flowering, so my six-week explosion starts today mm-hmm. super excited about that um so tell today us was all um, about- can you just mention a little bit about what the six-week explosion means to some yeah of so yeah so basically uh, most of the time you, uh, a lot of your bud density and bud weight comes in your sixth week of flowering um that's generally when you get the most amount of weight it doesn't, they, they bulk up a little bit after that, but a good portion of it is put on between day 42 and day 49. So uh, that's why they, you know, slangly have, have termed it the six-week explosion because that's generally when the smiles start and you start to get a judge of kind of what's uh, what's going to happen over the, the last remaining weeks and um, it kind of sets you up for, for start success there. The yeah, basically gives you gives you a good idea kind of where you're going to be at. So um, if you're having problems with your grow, you're not going to have a, an explosion like that. Um, and is this powdery mildew, you know, causing me not to have as much of an explosion? Maybe, quite potentially. I I did treat it last week, and I treated the plants again this week with uh, pH uh, high water, and I just put a tiny little bit of uh, baking soda or sodium bicarbonate in the uh, the water when I sprayed it, and that really does stop it in its tracks. So, um, you know, you're making sure we'll it doesn't get a foothold again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so I did remove a, a, a few leaves and clean, I completely cleaned everything. 
um, filled up my reservoirs again, topped them up with uh, with nutrients, and lowered my PPM a little bit on my uh, my flowering nutrients. So we're going to be getting in a position where the where the the flush is going to start soon and i had increased my ppm to the highest for for week six so the 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 nutrients that are in the buckets now are have a higher concentration of nutrients than the reservoir that's currently bubbling waiting to be used now so we'll start to wean them down a little bit mm-hmm. uh, as these next couple of weeks uh, come but um the smell is super intense now it's like there's no smell at all until i unzip the tent but boy oh boy when i unzip that tent you, it's like you're getting smacked in the face with a brick shit house. um completely just you know and now i find when i kind of touch a few of the nugs like they're so sticky compared to the last previous grows i had in this system yeah completely fingers sticking together like can't (laughs) you know i love that i wonder if you know if somebody could harness the sticky power in the in the trikes if there's a way to do that it's an awful expensive sticky but man they can stick let me tell you, it'd be hard. Your two fingers can literally get stuck together and be so hard that you can't pull them apart. Do you mean like so, a new t- type of duct tape? Well, yeah, just it'd be the most expensive duct tape on the planet, though. I, I can guarantee you that. Unless you make it from a byproduct, as a byproduct of some process. Hmm. Maybe something worth uh, worth talking about uh, at another time. But, yeah, uh, see, I, that's the edible talk. Yeah, one hundred percent. I still have a few jars uh, left from last harvest, and uh, tell you that smoke has been so smooth. Um, the smell is incredible. Just you know, very fortunate to have cannabis that's good quality that's been uh, curing for six weeks now, and uh, extremely smooth, bright white ash. Um, just very pleasurable all around. You can't, can't ask for anything more. Um, but tonight is Halloween, and you know what that means. It's time for Question of the Week. <laughs> that's the trumpet of Get High. So everybody have a puff. All right? That's, the that's, trumpet that's of Get High. Ooh. The trumpet of Get High, or... The, the trumpet of stonedness, whatever you want to call blow it. Your so trumpet, that's your opportunity. Blow your mind. <laughs> free your but what mind. What is the question of the week? I want to know what the question of the week is. The question of this week, uh, and and kids are asking this question all across North America by the millions this week. Trick or treat? Ooh. So, I like it. I like it. And you know, when it all came to fruition, I really liked how this all came to click together and how we could kind of incorporate this so this is good but i mean let's say we don't condone kids do anything to do with cannabis just saying absolutely since, not. since we're on the topic of incorporating halloween which is tradition traditionally celebrated by kids um yeah we in no way shape or form condone that going on so just wanted to throw that out there since we're on the topic but uh okay so i'm with you so 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 the question of the week is trick or treat so i say if that's trick. the case pache <laughs> i'm gonna ask you yeah trick or treat man you pick trick or treat uh i always want to go with uh a, a trick to start out all right what do you got gonna for me, you a, i'm gonna give you a cannabis growing trick this is what i'm gonna do since you knocked at my door um okay so my first trick for our cannabis army out there is plan your grow room efficiently and your layout and your placement of your plants and your equipment so you can be comfortable and have you know a, a good setup you want to make sure that you have access to all the plants in your in your room you don't want to sandwich them all together so you can't see uh you know pest infestations or airflow issues or the start of powdery mildew whatever the case may be and you want to make sure any equipment you can put above your your tent you do or above your room you do keep your area nice and clean so that's my first tip Uh, and you know that's such an important one and i remember one of my big questions to you was how tall do i let my plants grow in my five by five tent you know Mm -hmm. and and so and I remember one of the things that you have to be able to 
get in there and work. So, it, you know, whether, it, you know, if you can sort of squeeze in, you know, do you really want to be working, even though you can squeeze into, let's say, 12 inches of height, um, do you necessarily want to? You want to give yourself, you know, 18 inches probably at, at, at least. Um, and I sort of kept that in mind. I, I think that's something that's always going to keep me going like when I'm at, whenever I'm filling out my tent um, and deciding how tall I want it, how where I want that canopy to, to be. Um, I sort of have my work area and my workspace in mind. So, yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, so I think for me, I would say pay attention to the distance between uh, the canopy and the bottom of the light. So... I, you know, throughout the entire grow. And because I do a sort of manifolding technique and I've been trying to sort of fill the tent out a little bit faster than it ordinarily would. So I've been trying to make the plants stretch a little bit. So I've been, uh, now that it's it's only my third grow, but I'm already having the confidence of knowing where the manufacturer specs lie, you know, and it may say, you know, I should be at optimum level um, 30 inches, let's say. But I may say I want the plant to sort of really reach uh, and stretch and because it's going through a net, right? So And the net's going to be doing a lot of the uh, the, the support. Um, mm-hmm. I may do, and, and this is what I did this grow, is I did 35 inches. Uh, and there was it did exactly what I wanted to. It, it sort of gave me that stretch that I wanted to. Um, and allowed my manifolding um, system or training system technique. Um, I think it really is going to show off uh, good yield in the end. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so we, we compiled a list, right, of uh, of tips and, uh, and and tricks. And what I kind of like about this is, is like we got trick or treat theme, right? And we're going to go through some cannabis tricks, and then we've got some cannabis treats, and we've got some edible treats as well. So it kind of fits together for uh, quite a good episode. But let's get into the list here, um, you know, just uh, to kind of save some time because we got some really good ones in here. Um, you know, the next one I want to add to the pile is, you know, more roots equals more flowers and more, more foliar growth on the top of the plant, right? And uh, mycorrhizal inoculants, um, you can use those to help stimulate your roots uh, and encourage them to be stronger and healthier. And that's something that you can do down below that will uh, have a nice impact up above. So that's another tip or a trick, I should say, that I want to throw out there. What you got, Pache? Uh, so I like, um, and, and this is almost become a, ne- uh, a necessary, is low-stress training, super cropping, topping, fimming. You want to pick one or two of these techniques to increase your yield, and uh, you can do so by more than 30%. Um, you know, yeah. My favorite, personally, is uh, super cropping, uh, low-stress training, and topping. So um, I kind of <laughs> like three. Right. And these are these are really necessities. They, they they really are right. I mean, if you're if you're paying close attention and you want to potentially increase your yields and you're not doing this yet, then this is what everybody else is doing. And I like how you said pick one or two, you know, or even more because it's sometimes it's a combination of, of all of these techniques that's going to allow you to give, you know, the best um, the best harvest for for what you've got to work with. So well, actually, re- out of the four there, the the LST super cropping, topping, and fimming, I do three of those and then. Um, also, and I think you were going to uh, tee this one up, but I do the next one you're going to say. So go ahead and, and, and tell us about it because this is probably the one that is my favorite and you got me on this one. Yeah, and this is like a necessity again, right? You can't let plants grow the traditional way with no human intervention whatsoever, right? Because they don't grow the... the like a Christmas tree. The, the best, right, The like a Christmas tree, exactly. It's not efficient. That top right? cola and, gets all the, the goodness. Right, and everything else below gets shaded, and it's just, you know, you don't get even light distribution. So, scrogs, right, screen of greens. It's, ne- it's a necessity, folks. If you're not using one, buy one. If you can't afford one, make one. 
you can think outside the box get some wood and make a square and um you know you can loop some some string that you get at the dollar store bin around and make your own make your own squares but or you don't even have to do that if you're comfortable enough using like super cropping to create you know uh, a sog which is just a sea of green so that's basically the same effect as you get with a scrog but without the net it just it just requires manual training how you want to do that is up to you you can use lsd and stuff like that but these are necessities right and and super helpful tricks and they're definitely going in my trick and treat bag for sure absolutely and and all of those things the lst super cropping topping fimming and sog and scrog um it all of those things are all designed and and with, with the canopy in mind it's all about getting the best healthiest um canopy that's going to yield you the highest quality um and and the highest yield um so that will lead on to speaking of higher yields something that's going to increase higher yield or certainly should is co2 and this is something that i've incorporated right from the get-go i uh, i bought a diy a do-it-yourself um sort of kit off uh off the internet and it's just sort of like a valve system and it goes on to two two liter pop bottles and fill one pop bottle uh, with one powder uh, baking soda fill the other one with citric acid um, I'm pretty sure that's uh, that's the two. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ray. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. Um, you know, sort of mix them both with water, and when you there's a control there's a control method, so you can create CO2 with this. And the idea here is um, the plants. This is what CO2 breathe, right? Um, this is like air for us, and so you want to, especially when they're flowering and they're in a in a high sort of consumption rate. Um, you want them to have a lot of CO2. Um, you know, and when you start increasing one of the variables, CO2, um, nutrients, airflow, temperature. It's important to note here, too, that, that the plants right, can utilize up to five times more CO2 than what's readily available in the air. That's right. I think up to 1,500 parts per million ppm. Exactly. Right. So, and you you can definitely uh, get a major uh, increase in yield if if utilized appro- uh, appropriately. Yeah, right? I mean, some reports say up to a thirty percent yield uh, just by adding CO two properly. Absolutely, and CO two is also the key to a closed grow system, right? Um, but that's I think a topic for another uh, another day. That's a good one though. I, I do like that one because CO two is something that a lot of people don't necessarily think about once they get everything else dialed in. But if you're still learning all of the other finer points, leave CO two till last. You know that would be the last thing because there's so many other factors impact CO two as well. And the good thing about CO two is it's it's so late in the process. Like you, you know you've already got you know four months worth of activity. Of growing, and so you're you're pretty much, you know, on a on a cycle, on a rhythm. Um, so you might feel you can add CO two. It's listen. If, if I can do it, guys, uh, a couple of videos online, you guys can do it too. And that leads me to you know my next uh, trick, which would be to strategically defoliate. Right? I mean, you just kind of described using that scrog net and kind of what I like to kind of do is every once in a while you'll get one of those huge fan leaves that'll surface right and it's kind of blocking off um light and I I'm a big fan of pulling a few of those off right that'll allow your um your light to penetrate a little bit deeper into the canopy uh so sometimes it's very smart to to really look at those few that can that can surface and get those out of there so just another one that I think is really worthy of talking about what do you got uh, know your sources of information. Um, you know, everybody seems to have a channel. Everybody has an opinion. And <laughs> what works for one. them may not work for you. And what may what worked for you before may not work for you now. 
Right. Just posted a question and having some random guy answer it doesn't mean that you're getting the right answer. That just means that, you know, <laughs> you've opened yourself up to get uh, opinions from from uh, all different types of people. And unfortunately, some of those people don't have the right information. Like, who is Joe, right? Like, what type of experience does Joe have? And, and uh, is he sure? Are you sure by him telling you to add more CalMag <laughs> that that's going to be the answer to your spider mite issue, right? So I'm glad you brought that one up. Because, uh, you know, uh, opinions are like our souls. Everybody has one, right? And um, knowing where your <laughs> information is coming from, that it's a trusted source, is really going to help you get ahead of, of other people that uh, are getting incorrect information. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that one up. But another one I want to kind of bring up is uh, know your grow, right? Uh, focus on a phenotype that you like. Once you crack a few seeds and get something that you really like, focus on that one phenotype, cut a few clones, run it a few times and perfect it, right? When you get something where you're happy with the quality and happy with the quantity and, you know, it's it's put a smile on your face and you're not quite done with it, let, let that mature. Let, let your experience with that strain mature. Rely on its consistency for a while. It'll help you plan if you need to plan to make sure that you got enough for X date or Y date, whatever the case may be. Um, it just allows you to really um, add some stability to the whole system if you pay attention and know your grow. So that's my other uh, big trick I wanted to give. What do you got, Pache? Uh, do you know what? I am, just to touch on that one, uh, I'm just thinking about it as you were talking about it, but I grew my, my, my first two grows. I'm on my third now. So about my only other grows, my first two grows, I grew White Widow, um, from the same supplier, um, and I grew them both times. And I did that because I was learning so many things. I had a learning curve with so many things that I wanted to sort of get to know. By the time I got through the second grow of White Widow, I really sort of understood the lights better, the grow, the the watering, the feedings, um, I felt like I just understood things a lot better because I felt like I knew the plant and what to expect from the plant. Um, and, you know, when I do a little bit more of this on, in this temperature, in this humidity, the plant reacts better. Um, and now I know it at week number four or five instead of nine or ten. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I would say leverage your environment. Um, maybe... It, you know, if you have built a sunroom, um, use the sun and light okay. to your advantage to create like a proper light schedule. Um, right, and that's I think so. I think that's one that people overlook a lot, right? Like, and, and I, of course, I get it. Not everybody has access to to, to do this, but right. for the people that do, right? Like, we've got free sunshine even in the winter up above our heads, right? And that that free sunshine is way more efficient than any light you're ever going to plug into the wall. Uh, and I know people think, well, geez, we don't get enough sunlight in the winter to keep the plants in vegetative growth, which is totally true. But that's at five o'clock or at four thirty when the, when it starts to get dark. That's when your your fluorescent lights kick in, and they extend the light for the rest of the day, so you can still continue to utilize it and still control when your plants go into flower. Well, so. my furnace room. So my furnace room is warm all the time, and it's running you know eighty to ninety degrees Fahrenheit. Um, it's a, it's where I do all my germination, you know, it's the perfect environment. Naturally, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to heat the room. It's, you know, it's that way. Naturally, the only thing I have to do is make sure the humidity is in line, which is easy at that stage of growth. Um, you know, and it's also why I didn't end up, um, growing at a certain time during the summer because I didn't want to have to deal with. Um, pumping air conditioning in because it was too hot under the lights. Um, you know, so I just, I waited and I bided my time knowing that I'm going to get much better results. I'm going to have a, a later harvest date, of course, but I'm going to get much better yeah, results. When you, grow, when you grow two pounds of weed, you can definitely do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, for, I hope I get two pounds. For a lot of oh people, for a lot of, right? For a lot of people, we're not getting two pounds. So it's like, yeah, but I get it totally, right? I, absolutely. When when you've got enough personal stash and you don't, you know, there's not, nothing motivating you to, to get any more during the summer, then why not take a break, right? I mean, it's totally efficient. Your carbon footprint is definitely lower for sure well, once you shut everything up. And don't, but you really have to start calculating and saying, okay, well, 
you know, how much am I going through? How much will I need to make sure? And so my calculation is, is turning out to be pretty bang on. Um, I, I just hope nothing well, that, crazy happens and I have to ration at the end. <laughs> yeah. And that kind of leads me into the next trick, right? Do what you know, right? Use what you know as a base and then try new tactics in small batches and test, right? Because a lot of the time you're going to ask a question that people can't legitimately answer, right? Um, so it, knowing, and this kind of ties into really exploring a phenotype, right? Because when you know exactly how it's going to react, then you're more apt to get a better judge if you've tried a new tactic, if it actually worked, right? Because you know that strain specifically. So uh, definitely a big tip there. What do you got? Um, so this is something that I did personally. Um, I looked at the cost of everything, you know, um, exhaustion, all the different variables, the light, the tent, um, and I would say spend the biggest percentage of your grow budget on a good light. If this is something that you're going to be into for a while, um, it's well worth it. It's where all the quality comes from. Um, I didn't really care as much about the quantity. Um, it was really all about the quality. And so I bought a quality light with quality pieces from a reputable um, manufacturer and I did a lot, spent a lot of time looking at reviews. And um, yeah, that's why I went with the Spider Farmer 4000. And once again, they're not a sponsor. Um, I just, I really, really, really like the product. And I've now, this is my third grow using them. And I have to say, I love them. And I look forward to being able to buy them again in the future. Nice. Um, a nice trick I have is uh, really pay attention to this one because the biggest error people make when they're growing is not paying attention or close enough attention to the nutrient uh, charts and schedules and feeding programs or or lack thereof at all right so that's and you have to think of it like anytime you're watering your plant you need to be like paying attention to what you're doing you can't just not check the ph you can't just you know blindly add ph up or down and not retest you know you got to be very very close and pay close attention to all of this stuff and don't just free pour nutrients measure this stuff out do appropriate calculations because the problem when you when you are going to have a problem chances are there's a very very good chance it's going to happen when you're giving your plant its food or its water um user so error that's yeah, user error 100%. So pay attention to that stuff. What do you got, Pache? Um, I would say more doesn't equal better. You know, excess nutrients does not mean bigger plants or more bud. Ooh, um, and I this like is something that. that I ran into in the first grow where I end up with a ton of salt deposits. And when I peeled back my plants and I took photos, I remember you saying that uh, you had never seen so much salt. Does mm-hmm. Like, and he's like that, you know. If you had of, or if I had of, been able to sort of flush that out earlier, um, you know, my, the roots would have been healthier, would have been able to uptake more nutrients, and I would have had more yield than I did. Which uh, I want that yield. <laughs> yeah, so I, I like that one. Yeah, like we're not uh, plants aren't like human beings. You could just pump full of steroids. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. The plants can only utilize so much, and uh, having too much excess uh, is definitely a bad thing. So I like that one. Um, it leads me into my next one, right? And that's really don't overreact when you're di- diagnosing a problem or when you've diagnosed a problem. Take your time and think about it, right? Um, before you take action because your next action could be your last action if you're not smart so you really want to not overreact right plants will show things in time you have a little bit of time to to take a look at the evidence and figure out what you're going to do to to fix it but don't do anything harsh don't just jump on the internet and do the first thing that you read put some put some research into it uh, and pay attention. There can be finer details that are different in your situation that don't apply to everybody else and you could potentially be getting yourself the wrong information. So really take your time with it. Um, Only thing that I can really see that's like system critical for a cannabis plant is like if you snap the main stem, Mm -hmm. of course that's something that's got to be addressed like in real time right away and can cause the plant to to die really quickly. And then there's a thousand thousand different things that can happen quickly in hydroponics that can take you out of the game too with pumps failing and and things getting clogged and and whatnot so um other the outside of those kind of key areas though you got time 
So when it comes to uh, comes to this, do your research. Don't over overreact. What do you got, Pache? Uh, overcrowding your grow space. Uh, you know that's never a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I like you it. Know, no one wants to be overcrowded. Um, and somebody once said, you know, if if you find it really too hot in the grow room, chances are your plants do too. If it's too crowded, you know, a lot of people they don't like to be crowded. Uh, your plants are the right. same way. You know, you can transfer pests, powdery mildew, poor airflow. Um, so you, just another thing that you have to pay attention to is just your, your grow space. And th- and this is, I'm facing this now. I wasn't paying attention to my grow space and I grew too much. And now I had to react and open up a second tent and spend money on a uh, an exhaust fan that I didn't have to. And yeah, so mm-hmm. pay attention. Yep, and I mean that's my that's my next uh, my next trick is pay attention to all the phases, right? Um, and what I, what I mean by all the phases is is like I'm talking about drying and curing and and harvesting, right? Like you if you if you're going to pay attention to vegetative growth and and flowering and do all the hard work and not skip leg day on those phases, you got to continue that through. So don't get complacent just because the weed is drying because you can really damage your crop after afterwards if you don't handle it properly uh or if you over dry and lose all your terps, you can seriously degrade the quality. So definitely uh, something that you want to do. What do you got? Uh this is something that I am doing almost religiously um it's writing detailed notes you know i i do it every single day um and even if it's just observing i write observed you know um just when Mm -hmm. i'm trying to build a behavior and so i don't want to get slack at the beginning of trying to build a, a behavior that I, I think is going to really, really benefit me. And I want to get better at um, journal taking, you know, um, because you, when something happens, you can look back and say, oh, do you know what? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> you're you're taking the thought right out of my head. There's not one person that's grown cannabis that's that has never said, "Oh, I wish I had written that down." Everybody says that, whether it be mm-hmm. the day that you transitioned into flowering, or the day that you gave the start at the flush. You know, it can be just little things, but everybody has said that at one point. I love that one. So yeah, taking detailed notes, absolutely, especially if you're messing around trying to figure out. You know, if this new system or tactic is going to, you know, increase your yield over last time. Um, so, yeah, I, re- I really like that one. Um, really, really one that's super important for both um, soil and, and for hydro is uh, paying attention to pH. And pH is just its potential hydrogen that's in the in the water, uh, and it's something that's measured uh, closely in both hydroponics and in 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 um, in what am I trying to say, Pache? In uh, soilless mixture and in, in soil, um, Maybe medium nutrient yeah nutrient uptake only occurs within a certain pH range, and this is the the ghost that takes out a lot of grows and causes a lot of problems and grows. So you need to be paying attention to pH. It's the missing link in a lot of grows and this can affect your nutrient uptake. And when that happens, you know, it's not a good situation and you're going to have to start backtracking and you're going to start to lose momentum. So that's what I got for that one. What do you got, Pache? Uh, weaning your plants off veg newts uh, while transitioning to flower. Don't cut them off, you know, cold turkey. Um, you want to have them go through sort of a, a transition phase going into the bloom cycle. Yeah, and I do this myself. I do this myself because I, I, I have a vegetative um, reservoir and a flowering reservoir, and I will do this. I will just fill the bucket with 50-50 mix. It's easy for me to do in my situation. It can be a little bit more difficult. But, hey, Pache, when we talked about this before the show, we noticed something. Diablo Nutrients already incorporates this into their feeding schedule. That's right. So they have sort of, uh, they have three bottles that you use all the time. You know, so your micro, your grow, your bloom. Um, But during the veg cycle, it's heavily weighted on the micro side. Then you've got your grow and then not so much on the bloom side. Then when you start doing your transition to bloom, I noticed that they equal out. So now they've dropped the micro uh, dosage. And they've increased mm-hmm. the bloom dosage, and they—I think—I'd uh, have to check. Um, 
but I don't know if they've kept the grow the same or not. I'd have to check that one. Um, but I do know that once I'm out of the transition pa- uh, phase and into the full-on uh, bloom cycle, the flower cycle, then the micro will drop once again, and the bloom will now increase. Mm-hmm. So it's really kind of right. cool. Right, and not all nutrient systems do this. So I think this is a great trick, right? Uh, something that we haven't really talked about on any of our previous podcasts at all. Um, definitely worth the mention tonight. Um, so definitely, if you're using like cheaper nutrients or nutrients that are just designed for just general hydroponic growing or general plant growing and not designed specifically for cannabis, then you need to pay very close attention to this one. This will definitely help you. Um, but yeah, great. I'm glad you brought that one up. Um, last real trick that i could kind of come up with without getting into too much detail right these are just little tricks and that's what we wanted to do um but if you're growing in soil earthworms right if you can get some earthworms and throw some earthworms in your soil let these little buggers go to work right they tunnel in through your your soil they aerate it uh they allow better drainage they break down um organic material and of course we all know that uh um, earth poop or uh, <laughs> uh, earthworm poop is uh, you know very high in nitrogen, so there's some benefit to that as well. Uh, earth earthworm castings, you've probably seen it at the um, uh, you know at the grow shops and whatnot. You've seen Apache, I'm very sure. popular, very very popular. I haven't, I don't know enough to get into that yet, but um, I'll get there. Mm-hmm. I'll get there. Yep. I'll get into my get my worm poop going. And we got one last one you wanted to kind of bring up for this trick, and I really like this one. This is something that people can really play with, and I'm sure it's something that, that not a lot of people heard about before. Yeah, so I I didn't call it what you call a drought stress. So um, sort of depriving the uh, plant of water uh, a little bit more than somebody might, somebody else might, but not so much it's going to negatively impact the plant or the yield, which you never want to do. But... You do want to cause just enough stress for the plant to sort of kick off. It's like, hey, you know, I need to, I need to fight off whatever's going on. I need to get stronger. Um, you know, it's almost like the plant goes, okay, I, I need to go against Arnold here. I need to bulk up. Um, so the plant can be more potent sometimes when you do this and when you water. And this is what I'm doing now is my plants could probably be watered every two and a half days but i would like to push them a little bit and just this is just because of the phase that they're in and the size that they're at and the temperature that's going on um, but i like to push them a little bit and maybe go to three days but what i'll be very careful of is i'll be watching the plants and i watch a lot of sort of time-lapse videos and what i love about those is you can sort of see the plants breathing up and down up and down mm-hmm. like lungs love it and it it the canopy does this right and it's just incredible to watch um you know especially when you have a little bit of a buzz on too right <laughs> you sort of you sort of get getting entranced by it all yeah um, watch two months of flowering in, in, in two minutes and 10 seconds right it's like wow yeah i, I i've seen them too and you know you, you bring up some great points here right because there's been recent studies that actually show that cannabis grown under drought stress can be more potent they actually studied this and they find that there's a higher concentration of cannabinoids in the in the in the trikes um more so in cannabis that was watered more sparingly but what they do what they did in their test is they they didn't water until the plants start started to show the very first signs of starting to wilt the drooping and that's, as that's as exactly the dro- what the drooping phase so as soon as the drooping phase starts mm-hmm. they just give it enough water to take it out of the drooping phase that's right so if if i notice the um the plants are drooping late at night before lights out i know that first thing in the morning i've got to get cracking and and now what i do is i've got water on hand and i have bottles of our o water reverse osmosis water and first thing i do because i keep everything you know in, in the house is i bring it outside the house where it's colder and i'll leave it out there for you know half an hour or an hour or maybe hour and a half to let the water temperature drop so it actually holds more oxygen 
you know, to get into the root system. Um, you know, that's just an extra step that uh, nobody needs to do. But, you know, I, I heard it could help, you know, having that te- water temperature at a certain range. Um, and I'm looking at doing everything I can to increase my yield and my quality. Well, my quality is first and foremost always, but... Um, they did this with strawberries. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the strawberries that were grown in, in drought stress were much sweeter than the strawberries not grown in drought stress. That's interesting, and because whenever yeah. I was smelling my jars, I would always comment on how that it smelled such a wonderfully sweet smell. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But that but that pretty much sums up, you know, uh, just a nice group of tricks we got, but we still got some treats, and we got two different types of treats. We got treats also known as treatments, so we're going to talk just quickly about a couple of different uh, things that, that treat um, pests and whatnot that can attack cannabis, and then we're going to talk just a little bit about edibles as well to keep with the treat theme. Um, powdery mildew, I might as well start with that one, Pache. You know, I've been struggling mm-hmm. with that one, and mm-hmm. the treatment right now that's working for me in flowering is uh, pHing water to 8.5 or above, and a tiny little bit of baking soda uh, sprayed down, soaked down the plants, then I set up uh, some fans dry the plants off completely then put them back in the flowering chamber so that's kind of been working for me um, but i know there's some other things happening what do you got so i've been uh thinking about doing this myself uh in this in the spring and that's ladybugs uh they love aphids and spider mites they can smell them they hunt them down they love to eat them um so i mm-hmm. i love that it's a, and it's a natural way for um the environment to take care of itself so uh, i'm a big fan of ladybugs yeah and lady one ladybug can eat like hundreds of larvae in the run of a day too right they you got to be careful with them though you because go, they, they're attra- <laughs> they they can leave your grow room if if it's not sealed right or they can exit through fans so you want to make sure that stuff's filtered but uh the bug lady sells them online and i noticed this year and i think we might have touched on this in another episode they didn't have any ladybugs this year to sell uh due to all of the forest fires uh oh, down around yeah. california in that way apparently the ladybug migration where they captured a lot of the retail ladybugs uh didn't happen or was very small so they weren't able to get what they what, what they wanted but there's but there's other things right ladybugs just aren't the end all to be all uh for this stuff but they are great little hunters well, and it's, they're beautiful to work with and they're very peaceful so a lot of people do use them and i've used them myself before you can keep them in in a uh, refrigerator for a couple of weeks and spread them out over time um so kind of neat the way that the whole system works but it's definitely a thing um then of course the green lace wings and this is one that people are using a little bit more uh, because they eat aphids too and with the lack of ladybugs available um this kind of really puts them to the forefront they also like mealy bugs as well these are like little um white bugs that kind of look like if you cut off a little portion of a centipede pache Mm -hmm. They got a soft body, so uh, green lace wings will eat those. Uh, what do you got? Uh, one like white uh, white fly predators, and I just saw my first white fly a few weeks ago. Um, but one white fly predator will eat up to a hundred white fly eggs every day. Yeah, and white fly predator is actually the slang term for this thing. It has a scientific name, but I, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to pronounce that. But they do call it white fly, white fly predator. Uh, but yeah, eats 100 white fly eggs a day, so you can imagine there. Another one that uh, can work, but people don't use, but maybe it's a thing if you're out somewhere where you can get a praying maybe, mantis. Maybe you want to experiment. But if you want to experiment, exactly, or maybe you have some already due to another um, hobby that you have, who knows, right? That's That could be a thing. You said praying but mantis. praying mantis, yeah, they eat pests, uh, including aphids and mosquitoes and flies and white flies and stuff like that. But with praying mantis, when they run out of stuff to eat, they can turn on each other. Um, and it can, 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 can well, get messy. they're not messy. known for being cuddly. So, no, they're definitely not known for being cuddly. They're known for being hungry. And when you uh, when their food source diminishes, they can turn on each other. And it's just, uh, yeah, not a pretty then thing. So uh, that's why people... And then there's nematodes. And there are oh, yeah. parasitic worms. And some are destructive. So you have to be careful because they lay eggs inside the, the target organism. These things are badass. Oh, yeah. And allows larva to feed on it. <laughs> so they lay their eggs inside their target organism and allow their larvae to feed on it. Oh, like how almost perfect for how, Halloween. I mean, right? these are the sadists right? of the insect world, right? are they? 
Right? So I think nematodes for the win tonight. <laughs> oh, you had a laugh track for it. <laughs> nematodes for the win tonight they are winning the halloween special tonight for sure due to their destructive behavior and how they take down their target organisms so kudos to you nematodes you win but then we also can have treats too right we can make cannabis mm. treats we can make cannabis infused treats and you know we're not going to reinvent the wheel with this one but we are just going to quickly say you know you can make cookies and muffins and cakes and baked goods and i always remind people don't double decarb and if you know then you know if you don't know then double decarbing is decarbing your cannabis first and then making a baked good that is also going to make another decarboxylation take place when you're baking the good. So you want to avoid that because a lot of the time you can lower your potency uh, of your final Ooh. product by by doing that. Yeah, so just be careful on that. Also, um, one uh, of the symptoms... Infused one of the symptoms. Oh, oh, go ahead. Hey, one of the symptoms of a double decarb, right? You'll get really tired. If you make a cookie that's been double decarb, you won't really get high. You'll get super tired. That's that's how you can kind of know maybe what had happened. Mm. What were you going to say? So we might have to, because you could really use that to your advantage too, right? Well, absolutely. You could leverage that for the, 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 the sleeping cookie. Mm. 100%. Yeah, I need that. I need this person to go take a nap. All right. Maybe have Houston, a roommate or something like that. Register the domain, <laughs> thesleepingcookie.com. We don't say, we don't suggest <laughs> giving anybody anything that they don't aren't aware of or consent to. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So, and I was thinking uh, infused chocolate, candies, gummies. Um, you've got some more. Yeah, and w- yeah. Well, with the, with the infused chocolate and the candies and the gummies and stuff, right? This is. Um, this like the the chocolate a lot of the time they just melting down chocolate and then just putting infused butter or infused oil uh into it so make sure you decarboxylate if you're going to be making chocolate now when you harvest uh, just you know when you harvest um like, like when i'm making the hash right and i sort of harvest the trichomes mm-hmm. I, i'm wondering if i can just put that right into make edibles it's yeah, not infused I mean, into. I mean, I'm not putting it into butter. It just it's just the pure no, trichomes. Absolutely, you could just make sure you decarboxylate. And when you're decarboxylating uh, trikes, you, you you cut it. The, the the temperature remains the same, but you cut the time in half because there's not there's no depth to the material, and it decarbs pretty quick. So just a tip out there: if you're going to do it that way, you're going to cut your decarb time in half. Cool, or more potentially. So uh, something you want to take a look at before you just go throwing stuff in the oven anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then another one too, right? Another, um, and this one is kind of like tricky because there's multiple forces happening with this one. I did it once just to do it. It was all right. I mean, would I do it again? Probably not. Um, but it's uh, cold extracted uh, cannabis infused vegetable glycerin. Okay, and um, basically you just... Uh, I'm interested in this. Tuck can- yeah, you just tuck cannabis away, grind it up, tuck it away in a, in a jar, sealed for a couple of months in the cold dark. Um, and two things are happening. You, you don't decarboxylate the cannabis ahead of time. It, it slowly decarboxylates over time in the jar. Cold and dark. So it was the- made for the Canadian winter. So by the time you're done, you filter out all the plant material at the end, and then you're left with cannabis-infused vegetable glycerin. And what you can do with that is make candies and and gummies, Mm -hmm. but you can also drop that in, like, your coffee. You know, in the morning, maybe you're using it for medicine and you need your first dose to hit really quick. You can start to add that stuff to coffee or to... um, you know, to drinks, and I'm sure uh, there's lots of products at the liquor store now that are cannabis-infused drinks. I'm sure they're using some sort of glycerin to infuse. Um, I wonder if the uh, infusing with the glycerin would also help sort of make the uh, the joints flow and move a little bit better and easier. Possible. But people put it in droppers and use it the way they use CBD oil, so... You know, hey, give it a shot and see if it works for you. Pache, you got one last one there. Yeah, you can make oil or extract, and you can make your own edibles uh, out of the oil or extract. Um, You know, I'm I'm actually on 150 milligrams of uh, edibles right now. 
<laughs> I actually like that one, right? Because a lot of people think, well, geez, no, oh, I, I, with my harvest, I made oil, or with mine, I, I, I made uh, BHO or shad or whatever the case may be, right? But you can still make edibles out of that stuff. Just be careful you're not double decarboned, right? That's just keep that on your radar. Um, but, yeah, you, you can definitely uh, make brownies out of oil, right? They go well together. That's like a good combination, right? If you were going to make something with uh, with RSO or FICO, you might want to look at uh, at a nice uh, brownie because they can really work the flavors work together and it minimizes, you know, the cannabis shock when, when you're trying to get it down. So just a little tip for that. Oh, but geez, man, this, all this talk hey? about baked goods and and i have all this candy still left from halloween that the kids didn't come mm. and get <sighs> you know i'm gonna go hey, we out. looked at this and said we looked at this and said it was going to be about 40 minutes and here we are an hour and five minutes later where does wah, the time wah. go you know so i I'm, i mean we definitely um uh, allotted our it's the cape uh, bretoners tonight it's, yeah it's the cape bretoners we definitely went over our allotment here tonight for sure <laughs> but uh yeah great i mean hey great great way to incorporate Halloween Halloween. only comes once a year we'll probably right, we so do the, the same during the christmas episode yeah, this this show was for all of the adults out there trick or treating for cannabis information, right? So hopefully, what you've heard tonight was enough to fill your bags and uh, keep you going for the next little while. We're definitely going to get together again next week with some new topics, and we'll get our can- cannabis driven conversation on the go again. Pache, any hundred and fifty milligram infused gummy clothing uh, closing thoughts for us tonight? Um. I think next. Uh, I think next show. I'm, I'm going to try 200. <laughs> oh dear! All right, I'm going to have to get a siren soundtrack and ramping up for the Christmas. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> awesome. Well, that's great. So, once again, my name is Ray, and I'm Pache. And you can check us out next week on Plant Therapy Live. Have a great week, Pache. Bye, everyone. Take care. Bye, bye. <laughs>